0: Good morning, QBC. Such a great morning to come together to the, into the house of God. So let us pray as we receive the word of God this morning. Let's pray. Father God, reveal yourself to us. Let your word capture our attention and allow the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts as we listen to what you want us to hear this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, just a few days ago, I had a gathering with my ex-colleagues, all nurses, right? And it has been a few years since all of us come together, especially, um, uh, w- especially with one of our senior um, nursing director, you know Annie. She has been very, very busy. Each time when we try to meet up, she's the one who's always missing. So right, um, she was sharing with us. me. we were asking her how busy has she been, you know, that we cannot get her cannot meet her up for a meal. And she shared with us that um, she's very, very busy, you know, and it will get worse next month. So the story is, Annie is actually anxiously waiting the birth of her third grandness who will be due next month. She's single. She's about um, 72 years old. And she said this, you know, when she was smiling happily, telling us about the arrival of, and the deliverance of the third grandness. She said this, if you have ever participated in a child or even hold a newborn baby, you will know that every birth, you know, even though many of us call it natural birth, right? You know, we always ask mother, is it natural birth or C session? Yeah, although it's natural birth, it's far from being natural. In fact, she said, it is a miracle that a baby, a human, can come up from another human. That a man and a woman, husband and wife, will come together and produce a child. A child who lives inside the mom and born a living, breathing, and even someone who's thinking. And it's, it's just so amazing and such a, a miraculous thing. We should not even take all this for granted. It is a miracle. You know, as she was saying this, I was just sitting across her. She was looking at me, I was looking at her. And then suddenly it dawned upon me that there is one birth that is even more miraculous than any other birth, Right? And we know it, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is celebrated during this Christmas season. You know, last week, Pastor kuo brought us to look at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, verses 1 to 17. And we saw that, among other things, it demonstrated to us that Jesus is not a myth. And he actually lived and really lived as a real man who had blood and fresh ancestor. And today, we will see another side of him. Today, we will see another side of his nature. And today, we will look into the incarnation of our Lord Jesus. You know, each Christmas, Christians look back at the event of that first Christmas. Every year when it comes to event, every year when it comes to Christmas, we are told to reflect and to meditate on the first birth that night. Army angels appearing to shepherds, the star of Abraham, uh, Bethlehem, sorry, guiding the wise men, and the baby in a manger. So what do you do each Christmas to remember the birth of our Lord Jesus? What do you do each Christmas to savour the claim of this gospel? God took on fresh and made His dwelling among us the most miraculous birth and the most importantly, the reason for it. You know, in Matthew 1, we see that Matthew has the right author Matthew has already announced that he is given a record of the birth of the Messiah the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah the son of David the son of Abraham and he just go on and go on the family tree and he has provided an overview of the Messiah genealogy and likewise today we will look into the incarnation of Jesus from Matthew 1 verses 18 to 25 So let's read the Word of God together. Let's read Matthew 1, 18-25 together. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, was as follows. When his mother Mary has been, been thrown to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away silently. But when he has thought this over... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet will be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awake from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept him a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God. You know, John 1 verse 14 says, the Word became fresh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who comes from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And today, this morning in Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, we will see how this is being revealed. You know, Jesus came to a virgin mother, not only a virgin mother, but also an adoptive father in a fallen world. Now that the Messiah has been firmly rooted in the context of the redemptive history, Matthew then provides us with the specific of his birth. Now we see that Matthew began by say, talking about the birth of Jesus the Messiah. I think, again, we know that this birth, you know, the root word, the great root word is Genesis, it's the beginning. And the beginning is once again being mentioned here. I mean, and as we know, last week it was also mentioned in Matthew 1. And here's a reminder for all of us, okay, you know, that the name Christ actually means the Messiah, the anointed one. Two details provided in verse 18 are crucial for us to understand Joseph dilemma in verse 19. You know, Mary is betrothed to engage to Joseph, but before their marriage is consummated, she's discovered to be pregnant. The word... Beastrovan is important for us to consider as it was a much more binding in the first century than it is today. You know, today when we are engaged, right? You know, sometimes when couples don't get along, they broke off their engagement. But it is not so, you know, in the first century. Once you are engaged, you are legally bind. And so to call off this engagement will be equivalent to divorced. You know, this engagement Frequently occurs when girls during then were 12 years old. When the broom has completed his application to the bride's father according to the marriage contract, you know, the bride actually comes under the authority of her husband. But she did not necessarily, you know, move to the husband's house at that time. It was about maybe for a year or so to in between the engagement to the marriage purple, where cohabitation will begin. And it will be about like one year or so when the bride actually move into the house of the groom. So the situation in verse 18 here includes everything, all obligation, but the final stage of the process and which is Joseph has become, has been engaged to Mary and has assumed authority over her. He is already her husband, but not yet, you know, moved into the house, not yet uh, consummate the marriage, and he plans to divorce Mary so that he can solve his problem. You know, in verse 18, adds that Joseph and Mary has not yet come together, they are not yet living together as a husband and wife. So, it seems like Joseph plans to divorce Mary because he does not know the cause of her pregnancy. The only thing that Joseph knew was that he's not the father. Now, this is the problem, isn't it? If Mary is to be with child and Joseph was not the father, the only possible explanation is that Mary has been unfaithful to Joseph, you know, with another man. And of course, we know that uh, Matthew tells us that pregnancy was caused by the Holy Spirit. It is something super natural, supernatural that's going on here. You know, put yourself in a young couple's shoe. Mary never had a physical relationship with a man. She found out that she's pregnant. Imagine the thoughts, the emotions, the confusion, even the worry that would be going through your mind if you are married. Or even consider Joseph as a husband you have yet to bring your wife into your home to consummate your marriage and you found out that she is pregnant how will you feel what went through what will go through your mind of course in luke 26, 38 you know it goes on and on and then an angel gabriel visited mary Mary was already told by angel Gabriel that she would bear a child and this child would be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary knows, but not Joseph. Joseph knows nothing about this. And here in verse 19, Joseph's plan was to quietly divorce Mary and the plan tells us much about the character of Joseph, isn't it? As someone who is righteous, who does not wish to publicly disgrace Mary. You know, Joseph was an upright, devoted man who obeyed the Lord of Moses. You know, some scholars actually even say that he's righteous, he's so merciful, you know, to Mary. And that's why he chose to disgrace Mary quietly, to divorce Mary quietly, and not disgrace her publicly, so that everybody will know. And this is really due to his kindness towards her. Joseph did his best, what he can, you know, with his situation. He cannot claim responsibility for this pregnancy because that will bring shame on himself. And he cannot take Mary as his wife. He got to be separated from her. So instead of a public trial, which would result in a disgrace as well as a divorce, Joseph actually chose for a private divorce, which during that time, he just need to draw up a divorce statement himself and give it to Mary in the presence of two or three witnesses. Here in verse 20, Joseph was visited by an angel. Notice that Joseph is addressed by the angel as son of David, which reminds us that Joseph is in the line of King David. You know, the angel gives Joseph the shocking news of Mary's pregnancy. You know, he says here that whatever that's conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. You know, the virgin birth may be familiar to us, you know, as we read about it. But such a reality was unheard of for Joseph. You know, then the angel tells Joseph that Mary will give birth to a son. A son whom Joseph has no part in bringing about, and that this son would be named Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. So in other words, Joseph was told right, to adopt this boy as his son, and the legal name by which he would be called Jesus means "Yahweh, the Lord saves." You know, based on what we have read so far, this is how Jesus came first. He was born from a virgin mother. And this is a shocking pair of words, you know. A virgin mother is naturally impossible. And that's why it points us to the supernatural aspect of Jesus' birth. Physically, Jesus is Mary's child, son. For even in the genealogy, when we read over and over again that one individual father, another. But in Matthew, 1 verse 16, it says, Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. We see here, right, that Matthew is very careful not to call Joseph the father of Jesus. Instead, he points out that Jesus was biologically the son of Mary. The fact that Matthew never referred to Joseph as Jesus' father reminds us that Jesus was born to a An adoptive father. And after being named and taken into the family of Joseph legally, Jesus became Joseph's son. And being Joseph's son means this adoption ties Jesus to the line of David as a royal son. And Matthew tells us that all this happens in this fallen world. Jesus came to the world of sin in need of salvation which is why it is so crucial for us to see that ultimately Jesus is God's son. The problem of sin needed a divine solution. Part of the purpose of the virgin birth of Jesus is to show us that salvation does not come from man. It comes from God. Salvation is only 100% the work of supernatural God, not the work of nature man. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves from sins which is evident even in the way of which Jesus entered the world as a baby. He entered the world as a baby through a supernatural birth. Jesus came to a virgin mother, and adoptive father, in a fallen world. And that's the birth of our Lord Jesus, a supernatural birth. Next in verses 22 to 25. We see how Jesus is fully God and fully human. Here, Matthew tells us in verse 22, Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet will be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. You know, the prophecy here that Matthew refers to comes from Isaiah 7, verse 14. You know, the prophet is Isaiah. He says here that the virgin shall be with a child and she will bear a son. It is in chapter 1, you know, actually in Matthew 1 that fulfills the prophecy that prophet Isaiah made 700 before, before the birth of our Lord Jesus. We do not know exactly exactly what Joseph felt at that point, but definitely he was puzzled. Definitely in his heart, in his mind, he must be thinking, wow, what's going on? Nevertheless, we see here that Joseph was obedient in verses 24 to 25. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus. You know, Joseph obeyed without questioning God or even laying down his condition. He did not even ask, you know, for another night of sleep to see if anything changed. You know, sometimes when we pray and when God speaks to us, give us answer, then we want confirmation from God. Okay, God, Give me another sign the next day. Give me another sign the second day or third day. But here to Joseph, he did not even ask for that. He just simply obeyed. And he did not have physical relations with Mary. Joseph called the child Jesus, just as the angel had said. And this is how the king of creation came into the world. You know, Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, I've called you by name. You are mine. The name of Jesus is significant, and not only that, it is given to him under divine direction, very specific. It is through this act of Joseph that Jesus becomes son of David. The story of a virgin birth in Matthew 1 forms the foundation of everything we need to know about who Jesus is, and why we follow him, and why we proclaim him to the nations. As the son of man, Jesus is fully man. He was born of a woman, just like any other child. He came crying. He came bedwetting, I believed. Do not let yourself picture Jesus apart from his true humanity. He was born on a holy night. Can you hear it? But not a quiet night, right? Jesus was born on a holy night, but definitely not a quiet night. Why do I say that? Because have you ever heard about a baby coming out of the womb and keep quiet? No, right? Once a baby is born, you hear the cries of the little baby. And can you imagine Mary putting baby Jesus back to sleep when the cow keep mooing, when the donkeys keep moving? You know, Jesus was not born with a growing hollow around his head or the smile on his face. Jesus was born like you and I. You know, Jesus was fully human mentally. He has a human mind. You know, Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. He learned in the same way that, like other children do, Jesus had to splint to say the first century word, you know, just like every first parents, you know, our parents want to hear the first word from their children, is what? Jesus has to learn how to say, right? Papa, Mama. You know, Jesus was also like us emotionally. In the Gospel of Matthew, we see the full range of Jesus' emotion. In Gethsemane, Jesus so was troubled, so overwhelmed, such that he wept with loud cries and tear, And finally, after knowing that Jesus was like us physically, mentally and emotionally, Jesus also said that he was like us outwardly. When Jesus was teaching in his own hometown, the people was amazed, saying, and he came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue, with the result that they were astonished and said, where did this man acquire this wisdom and this miraculous power? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this mother not called Mary? And his brother James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? And his sister, are they not all with us? Where then did this man acquire all these things? You know, the people who were closest to Jesus, his own brothers, the people in his own hometown recognized him as Just a man, just like everyone else. He is fully human. Why is this important? Why is this important that we need to, you know, read about it today, this morning? You know, we need to affirm Jesus' full humanity because this means that Jesus is fully human to identify with us. Jesus is truly our representative I mean, we have a Saviour God who is familiar with our struggle, physically, mentally, emotionally. He is familiar with our sorrows. He is familiar with our suffering. And therefore, it is comforting to affirm that Jesus is born of a human, born of a woman as a son of man. In the same way, when we acknowledge Jesus' humanity, we must also acknowledge Him as the Son of God. He is fully divine. Just as Jesus has the full range of human characteristics, He also has the full range of divine characteristics. First, we see that Jesus has power over diseases. He can cleanse lepers. He gives sight to the blind. And He causes the limb to walk. All by, simply speaking, healing into reality. You know, it says in Matthew four twenty three to 24 Jesus was going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogue and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout Samaria and they brought to him all who are ill, those suffering with various diseases and severe pain, demon possessed people with apathy and people who are paralyzed and he healed them all. Second we can see that Jesus divinity is revealed when he has command over nature. Jesus rebukes the storm and it immediately comes down to which the disciples responded, what kind of man is Jesus that even the winds and the sea obey him? Third, Jesus has authority over sin. He is able to forgive sin. Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, take courage son. Your sins are forgiven. Lastly, Jesus has control over death. Jesus not only bring others to life, he also raised from the dead, having victory over death. And then these claims, you know, that Jesus raised from the dead may sound totally unimaginable, unbelievable, but this is Jesus. This is our Saviour God, the Messiah. And when we put this truth together, this incarnation, the doctrine of Jesus, full humanity and full divinity, is the most extraordinary miracle in the whole Bible. Jesus was born a baby, but he sustained the universe. He was 33, 30 years old when he first started ministry, but he exists internally. He was tired like you and I, and he is omnipotent. He died but he conquered death. He has returned to heaven and he's present, but he's present with us. You know, people have always wondered about the image of God. I think we have reached many conclusions. Humans have reached many conclusions. God has been created as golden calf in the olden days, a violent wind, an angry volcano, a tree, and the list goes on. You know, we imagine God is a God that we need to avoid. God is a God who's angry and we need to do things to please Him. But never, never in mankind's imagination do we consider that Jesus will enter the world. God will enter the world as a baby. You know, this week when um, my family knows that we, I'm going to preach this text, we ask ourselves this question. And I'm going to ask you this question too. Does Jesus has a belly button? It's important. Why do I ask this question? Because it's very important for us to know whether that Jesus has a belly button. So after the sermon, after the service, when I see you, right, I'll ask you for the answer. Why do we say that? Does Jesus have a belly button? The Word became fresh and dwell among us. The Word became a fertilized egg, became an embryo a Baby. Percenta nourished him, gave him all the nourishment that he needed. An amniotic sack surrounded him. You know, he grew to a size of a feast. His tiny heart divided into chambers. God became fresh. God entered our world not like a human, but as a human. You know, you'll be comforted to know that, you know, Jesus endure puberty, Jesus also got pimples, Jesus endure also hot weathers, and Jesus also have cranky neighbours. But yet, He is a God who created the stars. Yet, He is a God who rebuked the storms and the sea. And yet, He is our Saviour God, who is a baby, suck a breast and slept in a manger. From the book Because of Bethlehem by Max Lucado, he asked this, why such a journey? Why did God go this far? Because He wants you to know that He gets you. He understands how you feel and has faced what you face. Jesus is not out of touch with our reality. He has been through witness and testing, experienced it all, Experience it all but the sin. Does God care if I am sad? You know, Jesus tears when he stands near Lazarus too. Does God notice when I am afraid? You saw the resolve in the eyes of Jesus as he marches through the storm to rescue his disciple. Does God know if I am ignored or rejected? You know, witness the compassionate eyes of Jesus as he stands to defend the adulterous woman. Gaze where Mary gazed, look into God's face and be assured. If the king was willing to enter the world of animals and shepherds and swaddling clothes, do you think he is willing to enter yours? He took on your face in the hope that you will see his. And this morning... The text teaches us that God is transcendent over us. He is present with us. God in his glory is above us and in his grace is near us. He is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, in contrast to the first Adam born who would succumb to sin in Genesis 1. Here in Matthew 1 is a man born who did not inherit a sinful nature. None did he inherit the guilt that other humans inherit from Adam. The God who creates in Genesis is recreating and redeeming in Matthew 1. God makes his way through the virgin birth of Jesus for us to be rescued from sins and to reconcile to himself. God is fully God. Jesus is fully God and fully human. And he has come to save He has come to redeem us from our sin. You know, God is fully God. He has come to this fallen world to suffer the penalty of sins and to stand in the place of sinners, you and I. He came to die on the cross, to give us His body, to shed His blood. And why? So that you and I can be rescued from our sin and be reconciled to God. This is our hope. He has come. To rescue the lost. And Jesus is fully human. We can have this comfort that He understands our suffering and is with us during our journey. He has come to heal the sick, feed the hungry, bless the poor, buy the brokenhearted, and deliver the demon possessed. You know, I have become a community outreach pastor in 2020 during COVID. And I have hear testimony of how people in a community, you know, experience Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. To a rough sleeper, this is what he said, that Jesus is his security when he sleeps on the street. To a woman who has just lost her child, Jesus is her comfort because she knows that her child is in the arms of Jesus. He knows that the child is in a better place. To a man diagnosed with cancer, he experienced Jesus as his healer. He said that Jesus might not have healed him physically, but Jesus had healed him spiritually. And that's definite. To a little girl, she know that Jesus loves her. And it's as simple as that. Jesus loves her. You know, no matter what you're going through, brothers and sisters, and will be going through, Jesus understands Jesus, who is our Saviour God, fully God and fully man, understand. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And how has God spoke to you this morning as you listen to the text? Now, I'd like to pray and give ourselves a time to respond to this simple truth. God came as a human, as a little baby. He came to die for us and not only come to die for us, to redeem us from all our sins, He come to walk where we are. He come to understand, and He come to comfort us in our suffering, in our challenges, wherever we are. And if you are here, and you have never had a relationship with our Lord Jesus, you heard about it, about the birth of Jesus, especially every Christmas, and you are here with us, worshiping with like us, maybe every week, and you would like to know who this Jesus is. You want to receive this gift, the greatest gift this Christmas. Come, come to any of the pastor after the service, and we will pray for you. So let me pray, and we'll give you time to just respond to the Lord before the worship team come. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord even as we hear the baby voice, you know, just among our congregation. Father, we are reminded, oh God, that our Lord Jesus also comes as a baby. Father, we thank you, O oh Lord Father, for loving us. Thank you, oh God Father, that through our Lord Jesus, we can have internal life because of the finished work, finished redemptive work that our Lord Jesus has done on the cross. We are assured, we are comforted that our Saviour King, who is born on this earth, walk this earth, and totally understand what we are going through. Father, we thank you Allah, Father, for this privilege to be your children. This greatest gift that you've given us, Lord, this Christmas, a gift that came down on earth, redeem our sin, and yet walk with us. It is Emmanuel, God with us. And we thank you and praise you for this hope and this comfort that you give us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some time to just to reflect about what you hear from the message.